Season's greetings. More like season's compliments because compliments are guaranteed after making the leap to skincare with Caldera Lab. And I'm talking about how you look today and 20 years from now. The results are incredible in little time. Min Skincare and Caldera Lab are the perfect pair for you to look and feel your best. Super easy to add to your morning and nightly routine. Clear skin, less wrinkles and signs of aging. Enough said. Calera Lab Skincare, join the 100,000 men who trust Calera Lab to show your best first impression this autumn. Get 20% off with the promo code SEVEREMMA over at CalderaLab.com. I've been using Calera Lab now for a good while, and you know me and Graham, we're staying up late. We're watching flights, and we need it at night, and we need it in the morning, and it really does help out. Caldera Lab creates high-performance men's skincare products, and the regimen is exactly what you need to start that all off. It leads to our product line. It's a twice-a-day routine to transform your skin. Caldera Lab knows the skincare world is heavily female-driven, and it's been the Wild West for men for a long time. That's why they're here, just to make everything simple. So the regimen includes three products, the clean slate, base layer, and the good. Very easy. Clean set starts your day. It's a face wash, leaves all skin types refreshed. The base layer is your daily moisturizer to hydrate your skin and jumpstart your day full of confidence. And in the good is your go to before you go to bed. It's a multifunctional serum at night that helps your skin look tighter and smoother, as well as helps reduce the visibility of wrinkles and fine lines. Every drop of the serum is packed by tr- packed with 3.4 million antioxidant units protecting your skin. And the Calera Lab Icon Serum as well, that's absolutely brilliant. It, it addresses the three most common skin concerns around the eye, fine lines, dark circles, and puffiness, which I know every MMA fan needs. Calera Lab is a leader in men's skincare, made only with the top-tier ingredients, Clinical trials uh, have found 94% of men's skin showed an overall younger appearance after using Calera Lab for a few weeks. Proven. One minute morning and night is all it takes to reduce your wrinkles, fine lines and sides of aging. So this is a deal just for our audience. Exclusive deal. You're not beating this offer. Use the promo code SEVEREMMA at CalderaLab.com. And get 20% off right now. That's 20% off with the promo code SEVEREMA at CalderaLab.com to make unforgettable first impressions with the best gift this holiday season. 20% off at CalderaLab.com with the code SEVEREMMA. If you would like to support the podcast and get some extra content while you're there, head on over to Patreon.com forward slash SEVEREMMA podcast and sign up. From the rewatch to the Q&A, we will have loads of content every week. So sign up, patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast. And now, here's the podcast. Graham McDonald is an idiot. Sean Sheehan of severemma.com. He even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god. This is severe MMA. 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 The Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Welcome to the Severe MMA podcast. Here's your host, Sean Sheehan. 
Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 439 of the Severe MMA podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan, joined today by the Dana White of Irish MMA media, Graham McDonald, as we come at you literally moments following UFC 294. Maybe, maybe not the best card of the year, not the worst card of the year. Possibly the craziest card of the year that went down over in uh, in Abu Dhabi. What country is Abu Dhabi in, Graham? <laughs> the UAE. UAE. That's a, I, I had to like. Well, what country? Uh, you know, come on. Like, <laughs> in fairness, like you got to be ready for the surprise geography test. You like, do. Everybody knows that. <laughs> you do. Fairness, so when you get to that, it like to be fair. Now it's. I don't know. It's not the. It's not the most obvious of questions. Like if you're in Dublin, you're like, what country? And you know. Anyway, we'll get to that. Um, so yeah, let's uh, let's get straight into it. We might. Do you know what? There's <laughs> there's almost nothing we can get into in this card that isn't a bit of madness. <laughs> you know, it's it. It feels like the whole card was a bit of madness. So we might as well stop, start from the top uh, and go with probably the least mad of all. Although it was a mad finish and, and uh, uh, a mad, uh, you know, um, occurrence, but it wasn't uh, mad in terms of the madness we've had earlier in the card. Isla Makachev versus Alexander Volkanovsky. Um, Makachev, for me, cementing himself as the number one pound-for-pound fighter in the world. But I suppose we have to put the addendum that it was short notice and all of that. Um, but what a finish. Uh, a fight that only lasted just over three minutes. Makachev, prior to... If you are not, if you're not, if you are not, haven't seen the fight, if you're living under a rock, he hit Volkanovsky with a left high kick. Really hurt him badly and finished it with a few shots of ground and pound or Mark Goddard stepped in. But before that, it started in a very similar fashion to the last fight with a lot of hand fighting and no one maybe wanting to make the first move. But with Volkanovski anyway, not wanting to make the first move. He did the first time. And this time, Makachev seemed more inclined to throw shots through more leg kicks, win for a takedown. So, as he said, set it up with the low kicks, middle kicks, let's say, and the high kicks uh, as well. Well, one high kick, which ended up finishing the show. And it was a beautiful destruction. Probably the perfect thing to do to a guy who's taken it on short notice. He's... Uh, changes from the first fight definitely worked and he put Volkanovski away very very quickly it was um, it was unexpected Graham but was it should it have been as unexpected I suppose as it was given the circumstances around the fight uh, I think the, the the way it went the like near near kind of perfect display from Islam uh, was like you know unexpected I know he, like obviously we, we've been praising him for a long time and stuff like that and we you know he's a top quality fighter and I think we both picked him to win this but uh, you know Volkanovski's never really been you know nullified like that and finished like that um, I know it's stepping up 10 pounds and stepping up 10 pounds like trying to go for a second title like it isn't easy like you know uh, People can try and, you know, uh, discredit other people or whatever. But, like, there's a reason why, you know, John Jones was hesitant to go up a weight. There's a reason why Anderson Silva was hesitant to go up a weight. George St. Pierre and all that stuff. Habib even. You know, all these guys, because it's it's, it's different, you know. Um, these guys are cutting down from even higher weights. And, you know, it's definitely a big ask for Volkanovski to go in there and win. But for Islam to put on such a phenomenal kind of near flawless display, barely get hit, you know, I think... Uh, Volkanovski maybe had a little bit of a point to prove with the grappling and kind of maybe got carried away with that a little bit and could have could have broke uh, broken away. But when he did break away, he got finished on the on the on the strikes as well. So you know, um, yeah, it was just a just a phenomenal performance from Islam first and foremost. Obviously, you mentioned the the short notice and all that stuff. That's definitely a big thing. And 
uh, coming off surgery is definitely a big thing. But, you know, I don't think it was that. I think it was just Islam was phenomenal. Yeah. See, there's there's a tendency here to, like, almost discredit what Makachev has done. But we have to also talk about, like, the reality around it. But before we talk about that reality around it, I want to give Makachev the credit he deserves. Because I went back. Uh, I said it last week that I was going to do the rewatch, and I did. I went back and I watched the first fight. And honestly, I don't think Makachev got the credit he deserved for how well he performed in that fight. He was, you know, you know, we know, we know the difference between judging and maybe analysis of an actual, you know, the goings of the fight and the actual fight itself. Yeah, the co-main event is a good one, actually, to talk about. <laughs> is, well. Yeah, 100%. But Makashev in that first fight was, he was the much better fighter, right? There's no doubt about it. He fought brilliantly and he showed how good of a fighter he is. And he showed in previous to that how good of a fighter he is. And it's almost that fight that we need to give more credit for than this fight. <laughs> this fight he deserves the credit because he got that big knockout and he got the big shot. But there's, there's kind of a little bit of a feeling for both of them that if it had been a full camp and all that, it would have been maybe even a better win for Makachev if he'd won it in a similar way or even a decision or maybe Volkanovski he would have had a better chance to make a better showing of himself now look it's not that Volkanovski did, didn't make a good showing of himself or look bad or anything he didn't get really the opportunity Magachev basically you know fixed up and looked sharp very early and and, uh, and knocked him uh, you know square out but um, yeah I, I did want to mention that first like that Makachev is such a good fighter like we all know about his wrestling how good it is but his ability to fight and defeat the way he does and the way he controlled Volkanovski in that first fight and the way he set him up in this fight fight to knock him out that's mesmeric stuff and like we, I, I spoke a little bit last week on, on the preview show and I was kind of talking about like Makashev he, he's a very good fighter but like he, he could be beatable if someone has very good takedown defense and is a better striker than him and I, he can, they can obviously win which you know is probably still true but it's not it's not that easy like even if someone is a very good striker Volkanovski is probably the best striker yeah, in there's so him. much to worry about he's offering yeah. so many problems to try and solve on the fly and he, he has finishing ability everywhere and he has like you know uh, the ability to put you on your back and keep you there if he wants to as well. He's just such a difficult problem to solve. You're going, you have like if you have any hole in your game whatsoever, any slight hole, he he has the ability to take advantage of it. Yeah, and even the first fight, like the best uh, opportunity Volkanovski had in the best time of the fight was when he took Makhachev down. You know, and that came off of I know people were giving out to me, but there was a bit of a head clash there. He did hurt him before that. He hit him on the feet as well. But you know, he, he basically dominated Volkanovski in the striking for most of that fight, and here in this fight as well. He is not just a wrestler. He's not just a wrestler with good striking. He's a great wrestler, also with great striking. And now maybe not necessarily great, like fundamental boxing striking. If you put him into a boxing match, worry about everything that he offers yes. opens up that striking even more. Correct. And he's great striking for MMA. You know, we always talk about jujitsu for MMA or wrestling for MMA. His striking for MMA is so good because, as you said there, right? You have to think about everything that he has but also with that as well right his wrestling allows him to fight like a less pressure heavy game one but a less maybe intense game in terms of the amount of strikes he throws as well so he can sit back and look for the knockout against the guy knowing that right okay if I'm losing here well I can just take him down for the next four rounds and beat him that way anyway whereas like even Volkanovski you know to top three pound for pound best fighter in the world one of the greatest fighters of all time he can't do that like he has to kind of dominate you for the whole fight he has to kind of go and do that plan A and it's do you know what it's the same for John Jones even though John Jones can 
wrestle very well as well but it's not as assured almost as a Makhachev takedown if he needs to get one it feels like he can always get one even Volkanovski did defend very well in this fight and the last fight as well but you know Makhachev didn't even really need that he this guy is the elite of the elite so is Volkanovski Let, let's make that absolutely clear but Mahashev, we have to give him his flowers. This guy is a top, 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 top fighter. Like, really, really, really good. And maybe now we can talk about the next part of it. But have you and uh, any final words there, Mahashev, maybe before we move all to Volkanovski and all, all the other stuff around it? Because I, 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 I don't know if you felt that, Graham, but I feel Mahashev just did not get enough credit and probably won't get enough credit after this as well for how good he actually is. Yeah, there'll, there'll always be the excuses, you know, you oh, two weeks ago, the shoulder surgery or whatever, but like, you know, he beat him the first time, it was close, but like, I think, you know, looking back on it, you know, you could see that he he was, you know, maybe won more of the fight than, than Volkanovski won, and this time he put a he put a stamp on it, so you can't, re- like, you know, everybody's going to have excuses or for their guy or whatever, or reasons if they don't like a guy or they're, they're doubting a guy, but... It's MMA, and you're never going to be fully proven against absolutely everybody and every you know type of technique. Or you know, oh, what if he comes up against you know a, a jiu-jitsu world champion or yeah. a, you know a, a one-punch knockout artist or whatever? You know, there's always going to be questions, and on you can zig when you should have zagged, and you got knocked out, and everybody will say, "I told you so." So it's just uh, you know, it, it's always going to happen. And for for Islam, I, d- I doubt he cares. You know, he went in there, put on, as I said, an air flawless. He barely got performance. He nearly barely got hit, and he got a phenomenal win and, you know, he's ready to go again. So, yeah, like, you can't really, there's not much to, to in my opinion, there's not much to poke at, you know. He's going to be, he's going to be extremely, extremely difficult to beat. Yeah, and you're looking at it from Volkanovski's side, I suppose. Like, I would suggest that there wasn't a big adjustment from him in this fight, but we were only three minutes in. That probably would have come later on if there was going to be one. Um Look, he took it on short notice. I thought he looked kind of visibly, maybe a little bit softer, but how could you not be when you took it on that short notice? You're coming off for surgery. I think he just, uh, his wife just had a baby like a month ago as well. Like, it's it's madness. And like, it's if you think about it as well, it's kind I mean, of... Fair, fair fucks to him for taking the fight. Yeah, it has to be said as but well. it's a win-win. Like, you're getting paid a shitload of money. Worst case scenario, it happened, and he's still a champion and he's going to defend his belt get pay-per-view points and all of that again in January maybe a little bit later now obviously because of the, the fashion of the loss so you know was it a risk worth taking for Volkanovski it probably was yeah, yeah it probably you was know. because what else is he going to do fight Max Holloway forever like you know yeah, what I mean? that's, true. that's true but like you know I'm sure he didn't want to lose or anything like that there's, there's no shred of doubt about that I feel like sometimes it's I, I hate when money gets in the way of peak MMA let's put it that way like I, I think for MMA fans look if you're a Conor McGregor fan you're probably delighted Conor got all the money but like we were robbed of one of the best fighters in the world because he earned so much money to go and fight flight now I'd do the same we'd all do the same it feels like this it feels like we we're almost robbed of a second great fight you know because of money because they could have easily slid Gamrod in here wouldn't have done as many buys and all of that but they decided for Volkanovski to slide him in here and I'm sure he got well paid and compensated as well for it but you know it's it was all a bit it was just a bit unfortunate to be honest now and as I said I'm not that's not anti-Mikachev he won and deserved to win and everything like that but for Volkanovski as well I do think I do think 155 is going to be a big issue for him. Like, let's say if he was to lose the title in the future or decide, I don't want to fight at 145 anymore, I want to go up or whatever. Um, 
he's just too small. Like I, I think there was there was actually know. one stage where he had uh, Islam against the cage, and he was looking to kind of land a knee, but it was just uh, he just wasn't tall enough. You know, yeah. the, Islam's head was just too too high, and then Islam end, ended up landing a couple on him. So yeah, I think. You know, you can overcome, uh, I say, Volkanovski with his ability and technicianship, if that's the word, uh, can can overcome a lot of the guys at 155. But, you know, I don't think he wants to be fighting kind of down the division. And, you know, he'd have to do a lot, a lot of winning for a long time to get a third matchup now. So yeah. uh, I think the fact that he took this fight on short notice would indicate that, you know, he's planning on not staying at 155 because if he was planning on staying at 155, you know, it would make a lot more sense to get a couple of impressive wins and call out Islam again, but now that's not going to fly. Yeah, like, if you think about it, like, there's some great fights for him at 155. I think him versus Poirier would be really fun. You know, him versus Chandler, him versus McGregor would be fun and a lot of money if Conor was able to get back and get a win. But, like, there's, there's very few lads there you... You'd expect him to lose, though. Like, it's like if the next guy up is Charles Oliveira, I think Makashev would be, or, or sorry, uh, Volkanovski would beat Oliveira. But again, the big size difference. But look, having said that, he's gone back down to one forty-five now, and he's going to fight Elliot Taporia, which might be my most anticipated fight in MMA. That's the weird thing about this as well. Like from Makashev, if Charles Oliveira is next, like Charles Oliveira. Like, does anyone really think that Oliveira is going to beat him? Like, he destroyed him the first time. It looks like Makachev has gotten better. He's after fighting a really good guy twice. Oliveira, I'm a massive Oliveira fan, as everyone knows. I need a great win the last time out, but still, like, the difference between Benil Dariush and Makachev. Yeah, there's a lot of guys you can say that about against Makachev, though. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, he's he he is a ooh, he's a he's a, a some fighter. Like he is some fucking fighter. He's I think he's better than Habib. To be honest, like he doesn't have as good a wrestling as Habib or as different style than Habib. Not as relentless, but I think he's a better striker. I think he's more dangerous. He's GC some fucking fighter, and it's a privilege to watch a fighter like this. Like he is a really, really, really good fighter. And uh, yeah, fair play. He's going. I think he's going to reign there for a while, Graham. Do you see anyone coming that could beat him? I, I, I don't. I certainly don't. Anyway, you know, like Charles Oliveira, as you mentioned, obviously is probably you know uh, you never know when in MMA and in the UFC, but it's probably you know the favorite to to fight him next but yeah uh, I think there's you know Oliveira has a chance he's very good if, if you make a mistake and in, in, you know leave your neck hanging or you, you know he has the ability to put people away on the feet as well we've seen it but you know obviously Islam would be a big betting favourite a big favourite in my mind you know Gaethje we saw his his wrestling defence and his grappling um, is not anywhere near the level of a of a Volkanovski or, or a Makachev you know uh, or an Oliveira even you know Poirier obviously he's well rounded but it's, it's hard to pick you know any of these guys against Islam at the moment obviously we've seen champions at the top you think are going to reign for a long long time and they end up getting upset and you know sometimes they they, re- they regain or sometimes they're never the same so it's MMA anything can happen but at the moment it is hard to see uh, you know his next couple of contenders uh, but you know, MMA things can change quickly, but it's it's hard to see. Yeah, like out of all those fights, I think Poirier is probably the one I'd like to see most. Like he's good defensive wrestling and is a very good striker as well. Um, but even like you see that even guys like on the way up, like we saw Grant Dawson was the last week or the week before, and you're thinking, okay, this guy's a good striker. He's an unbelievable wrestler. Maybe he gets you know three or four more fights, climb the ladder. He could be the guy. But then like. 
you see Bobby Green takes him out like you know like mm, that's not going to happen is it to a guy like uh, like Shamayev and okay Shamayev did lose earlier on his career but it's you have to be to be as good as someone sorry not Shamayev Makashev sorry to be as good as someone like Makashev you just have to be almost perfect like <laughs> and to beat someone like Makachev Jesus you have to be an insane fighter an insane fighter so look may- maybe it's someone like a Saryukin again you know maybe it's someone like a Fiziev if he goes on a run win a few more fights maybe Gamrat with his you know you can't beat what Gamrat has in terms of like yeah. the you know I'd say they're more likely to make like a, a Gamrat fight I don't think he's going to sell they're more likely if if Connor comes back and beats Mike Chandler, then they're more likely to try and push that just for pay per view. Yeah, do you not think? Oh god, they probably, probably will, but I don't know. I don't know. Do I like that for Connor? I don't like. It. Uh, look, but if he beats Chandler, look, he's he's right up there towards the top of the division again. So like, it wouldn't be the most insane thing ever. Like a win over Michael Chandler's, you know, gotten lads to, to Michael Chandler's ranked number five in the world at the moment. Like, so he wouldn't be a million miles away from it, but. Yeah, we, I suppose we'll see on that one if it's booked and, and all of that. But look, Makashev, he, the, the thing about it though, right? So his last few fights, Volkanovski twice, Oliveira, Bobby Green, Dan Hooker, Hooker Mises, Drew Dober, Saryukin is there. Uh, it was actually Adriana Martins beat him, so he's a win over Saryukin. Uh, he's really found none of the top guys, right? So there are lots of fights for him. Like, he can fight all the guys you mentioned there. Your Gaethje's, your Parry's, your, your Chanders, your McGregor's. Line him up, like, for, for Magachev at this stage. I'm sure he'll be happy. He's only 31 years of age. He's another at least three or four years at the top of the game. You know, Jesus, the... The world is his eyes, really. I can't... Do you know what? I can't wait to see it. I can't wait to see it. Um, Right, let's move on. Let's talk about the comment event. Graham, first of all, how did you score it? This was this was Ugh. some fight. I fucking this is, love this, this is, fight. This is you know the first round. I was at the end of it. I was like, oh, I was really thinking about a ten eight, and I, I decided if I like if I was put on the spot, I wouldn't have given it. I would have given a ten nine. There just wasn't enough damage on the the, the submission attempts were you know nowhere near close enough. Uh, it was definitely you know there was a a lot of control time and there was a, a few nice shots of ground and pound, but a lot of them were. There's definitely a few that got through, but there was a lot of them hitting the gloves and things like that. Um, yeah, I think I think that was a ten nine on, on mine, and then you know <laughs> I think Usman edged out the second, and I thought he edged out the third. Uh, you know, the third could have went. You know, when Shimaev got the takedown in the third, I thought he 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 may land enough here to turn it around and win the fight, but uh, I don't think he did enough. I think. I think you know a draw or Usman was was the correct scorecard, but my scorecard was actually Usman. Even though you know, if you said who was the better fighter in the fight, who like who won the overall fight, it was definitely Shimaev. But on the criteria, I actually think you know I that was really borderline on a ten eight, but I didn't give it. Um, and maybe if I watched the pack, I would, but I, I don't think so. Um, and then yeah, I thought Usman just edged out the the next two rounds. I would have loved to be five rounds, but yeah. Oh God, I wish it was two more rounds. Uh, I don't need I don't need my judging expertise here because you just said everything I was about. So I agree, literally everything. I scored it the exact same way as you. I thought Usman won two and three. I thought it was a ten nine round one. But just looking at the cards here, all three judges did did give a ten eight in the first. Now, I I actually don't disagree with a ten eight in the first whatsoever. 
it's written in the criteria. He did have duration. He did have dominance. He, he had a bit of damage. He didn't have a lot of damage. But if we're going back and we're scoring 10 or 8 rounds like this, I'm very happy with that. Maybe it's been rolled back a little bit. I was talking to a lot of judges recently. And they all said to me, look, it's been rolled back a little bit. Not massively, but a little bit. So this is consistency. Three 10 a, a, a unanimous 10 round. I've no problem with that. Is consistency, really. though, you know, next week or the week before, is it going to be the same? You know, that's the consistency that we also need. Yeah, I, I, uh, yeah, I would tend to agree with that. But it, to be honest, it has turned a little bit. I do think we're getting more of this. I, to me, I just think there was so much of the round where Usman was kind of holding on to hands and uh, Shemaev was kind of going for those face cranks that were never going to be finished. Like, that's not really effective grappling. He was trying to kind of pull him up. Well, crowds were going like, ah, every time he like fished for a rear naked choke that wasn't even close. It was like... Uh, yeah, but having said that as well, like you're sitting there cage side and maybe those shots that Shemaev or Landon are harder then, you know, we look, maybe that bit of ground upon that he was landing was better than we took it. Like, I didn't think there was loads, to be honest. But even still, even if there wasn't loads, he had the duration. He had basically dominated the whole round. You know, take away maybe, what, 50 seconds at most? Um, and he had the dominance. So it's written in the criteria. If you have the two of them, you consider it. They considered it along with the strikes he landed and they decided to give it. They're not incorrect. Like, they're not. And I wouldn't, like, I definitely think it's a barter. Oh, yeah. I can, I can, as I said before, I can definitely, you know, see it. Uh, like, I have no problem with the 10 8, but I think, I think, you know, I don't know who it was, gave the second round to. Yes, so the the second round, one judge gave it, uh, one judge gave it to Shemaya Vito uh, Pajalilo, uh, and then in the third round, Derek Cleary gave it to Shemaev, and yeah. David Leatherby and uh, Pajalilo both gave it to... You know, I'll uh, say this, I think Shemaev was very lucky to get the decision in the criteria, even though he was a better fighter throughout the fight, yeah. and, you know, with the criteria, I think Usman will be disappointed to be going home the loser, not to having drawn or you know, eked out a 29-28. So I do think it was, you know, I, I think the the better fighter won the fight, but the under the criteria, I think the wrong guy won the fight. Yeah, I think the, the best card of the three there is probably David Leatherby's. He scored two and three for Usman and he scored yeah. one Draw, for that's a perfect. That's a perfect scorecard. Yeah, yeah. I, think that, I think there's nothing wrong with that at all. If he'd given the, the first round as a nine, it would have been a win for Usman and that that's how I had it. So like very, very close there. Just, I suppose, to go through the fight itself and it was, look, it was a tough fight to judge. Like rounds two and three, I thought Usman did win both of them, but there wasn't a whole pile in them. Like it wasn't, it wasn't as if you know they were dominated by by either guy. There really. like round one. Okay, if you didn't watch the fight, Shemayev worked really hard to get the takedown early, but did get it, and he got and he didn't really get the takedown. He got on the back off of like a defended takedown, and it was just Usman defending and defending, defending for the whole round. We kind of went through it there, not a whole pile of damage, but he did stay on top. There was kind of a slam at one stage. Usman kind of slammed Shemayev's head, I think, more into the ground than than anything. I else. think he kind of got his arm in between uh, as he was going down and kind of cushioned it a bit. I don't. Uh, originally, yeah. it looked like it was it, it might have banged his head, but then on replay, I actually thought that he kind of cushioned it a bit. Okay, yeah. So that was the only real offense from Usman in, in the first round. But in the second round, there wasn't a whole pile on the feet, but in the middle part of the round, Usman definitely up the pace, was landing the better, was winning that round, handing. There was a late takedown for Shamaya, but he didn't really do anything with it. To me, that's that's a, an Usman round. 
Hall Day. And in the third, again, this is around where Usman's just beating him up on the feet, but really beating him up this time. Like, she might have landed a couple early, but Usman's really dominating that fight through, what, two and a half minutes-ish. Jabs landed a nice head kick as well. And then she might have got a takedown halfway through. Um... Look, this to me is one of those takedowns where you you can't score it as highly as what Usman did on the feet. Like, you know, Derek Leary's a good judge, but to give that round 10 to Shamayev, I don't like that score at all, if I'm being honest. He, there's no like there's no way that he did more on the ground than Shamayev did standing up. Then Shamayev um sorry, then Usman did stand up. Then Usman got up towards the last maybe 30 seconds of the round. And landed the better shots there. There wasn't anything massive. There wasn't anything round change and ranting there. But yeah, like that's the only character. There was, there was at least like one stiff one. jab in there when he got back up as well, though, before the kind of flurry at the end. And yeah, I think he definitely dominated the the stand up in the third round before the, you know, maybe two thirds way through the round getting taken down. But you know, there was it was more positional from Shimaev and he landed a couple of small shots, but like Usman actually landed a couple of small shots from the bottom as well, and like you know, not much in in the in the force of those. Like you know, they were just kind of uh, shots to kind of open up position. They weren't like big shots, so there was definitely nothing that I saw from Shimaev in terms of the ground and pound that would turn around like a, a kind of dominant display on the on the feet for the majority of the round. Yeah, hundred percent. I think also just just one comment quickly on on MMA decisions. I think they really need to start cleaning up these media scores. There's like, there's some random people thrown in there who really have no business being in that thing. And it, I don't know, maybe uh, maybe we should pull them back from throwing in our scores. That exists because like it makes yeah. it makes people look bad. I think when there's people, yeah, well, people will go us. back and see and see. Oh, all these people scored it for Shimaev, so that must have been what happened, and it must have been non-controversial. You know. Yeah, it's ridiculous. You, you know, you see, you know, <laughs> there's funny ones. You see, you know, when Paul Fontaine is against you, you know you're probably right. Or when, you know, that Jed Mesha weirdo is, is in there against you, you know. You're <laughs> Shots fired. <laughs> yeah, but that's always a good sign when them lads are the opposite car to you. You know, you probably got it right. But yeah, look, it was... I don't, there was no robbery here or anything, but the fight, as I said, the fight itself, we kind of went through what happened there. Jeez, it was such an exciting fight. You said it and I said it, we'd love another two rounds. It would have been a different fight, let's be honest. If there was five rounds, they wouldn't have fought uh, that way, I don't think, if there was. but um, well, I don't know. For Shimaev, do you think he would have fought differently? Like, he went out there, explosive in the first round, tried to put him away, and then, you know, obviously it's very difficult to do that, flat out for 15 minutes or 25 minutes, and kind of just you know, picked his moments to to try and get takedowns then. I, I think that's probably what he would have done in a five-round fight. And I, I, I don't know if Usman would have done much different either, you know. Um, it just would have been, you know, in such a close fight, it would have been nice to have those extra rounds. And, yeah. You know, the UFC have the ability to do it, but I suppose it is on short notice and things like that. So, uh, but yeah, it would have been nice. It would have been. Um, I don't know if you heard the preview show during the week. Ian was kind of talking about how, you know, there's rumours going around that Shemaev is kind of living it up. You know, he's living out in, in the UAE now and maybe he's not training as hard and stuff as he, as he once was. And, you know, that's, I'm sure that's a part of it. You know, let's say that is true. But he he also, he seemed to forget. He, uh, he Remember he almost retired after he got, like, fucking long COVID and it was really bad on him. And, like... 
I don't think he's been the same fighter since in terms of this unbelievable cardio ability. You know, he's fighting better people as well, absolutely. But I wonder, like, you know, he seemed to have it really bad and his lungs are affected by it. I'm sure that's a thing that doesn't just go away in a few months or a few years or anything like that when you're when you're that bad with something like that. And, you know, not to whatever the, the injury is, whatever, if you have something with your lungs or whatever it might be, I'm not, please don't make this like, oh, Sean, covers whatever, you know, please don't do that. But you know what I mean? He he was sick in hospital with a lung fucking ailment for a long time and he doesn't seem to be as good since. I, I just wonder if that's gone into a five-round fight against a guy who can push him for a long, long time, say like a Sean Strickland, if that was to, to happen. I wonder what that'd be like, but yeah. I don't know. It's, it's really hard to know. It was a couple of years ago at this stage now, you know... Uh, I wouldn't. I, I, that didn't come into my mind, but uh, you know, it is hard to know. You know, with all of these guys, what's going on in the background, and you know, some guys um, might, might fall off because they they have an injury or something. They may be able to come back, but it, like if it was a long term thing with your lungs, obviously that would be that would be terrible. But it's it's just so much speculation that that it's hard to know. And as you said, you're stepping up against harder guys, and if you're, you know. If you're not training as it with no money and you know just training to live and eating and drinking and training and sleeping and that's your that's your life and then you have these distractions as you mentioned you know there's rumors about then that would obviously affect it too so it's it's just really hard to know. Yeah, hundred um, percent. I think as well if you're Usman, Jez, you must find yourself very unlucky. Like if you think about his last three fights, he was you know three and a half rounds up. Uh, three rounds to one up against Edwards um, going on to win a decision gets knocked out very close fight against Edwards then one I think one judge had it a draw I had it a draw myself a close enough fight this fight again he could have won it or it could have well, one judge had it a draw again Jesus for a guy who was kind of dominant and ultra dominant he's he's been pretty unlucky in the last three fights for one of them fights not to go his way you know that's 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 really really bad looking I, I think I would love to see this rematch, to be honest. I would love to see him fight again with him on a full camp. I think it's a completely, not a completely different fight necessarily, but a cut over five rounds. I I would love to see it. And I, I, do, I don't think Shemaya or uh, Usman is by any means done. I think if he stays at 185, you put him in there against most of those lads at 185, I think he beats almost everyone in that division. And I wouldn't at all be surprised to see these two fight again if he has to work his way there. Maybe he will stay at 170, who knows, but... God Almighty, I don't think Usman is done. Look, the knees and all are obviously going to be an issue, but they don't look an issue. Is, is it possible? What, what would you say the percentage chance is that Usman has con- concocted this whole uh, knee thing and that he's playing it up at every opportunity? <laughs> and it's a bit of a Johnny Johnny Walker character to him, but we actually don't, just don't know that. <laughs> if he if he has, that's big brain stuff, isn't it? That's that's fucking. I hope he has. To be honest, I would love someone to do that, but I don't. When he retires, he'd be like, "Remember all that stuff?" Yeah, that was yeah, but all lies. Yeah. <laughs> what percentage chance would you give it? What do you think? Um, you know, from all the interviews and everything I've seen of us, he doesn't seem like the character. But I'd love it to be true, so I'll give yeah. it. A, <laughs> I'll give it a five percent, an optimistic five percent. Okay, I'll join you with that. Yeah, like Usman, he's a really smart fighter. He doesn't seem like the smartest guy, though. Like <laughs> to be fair, but uh, yeah, hopefully he has concocted all that. But again, this this was a fight, obviously, because we're um 
we're watching this during the day basically it's on it was on like half seven or whatever and you know there's family members and stuff around and they you know people who would like oh mma is on again type of thing and they were enthralled by this fight like this was a really really enthralling fight i love i really loved it i really 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 loved this fight and um again like hey, the i also got to mention though yeah you know shimaev's wrestling is phenomenal you know yes uh, you know there was questions early on from some people saying oh well you know it's all well and good. We've seen guys come in and wrestle fucking ground and pound or whatever. Uh, guys on the way up and not be able to do it at the top. But yeah, you know, going in there against <laughs> Usman and you know being that dominant in terms of kind of the the wrestling. It, it, you know, after after a long time out as well. You know, obviously Usman's coming in on short notice and things like that. But you know, I don't think it, from the looks of things, it looks like Shimaev's wrestling was on a different level. Yeah, and like. Usman defended really well at the start, as I mentioned earlier, and he still got him down. Like, he's fucking phenomenal. Okay, it wasn't as effective later on in the fight, although he still did get him down a couple of times. But yeah, Shemaev is, is some fighter, and uh, him versus Sean Strickland looks like it's next. Fucking what a fight that is. We have to, like, again, Strickland, a dickhead, but we have to give him his. Like, it is. Props. Like, I, 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 I definitely put Strickland up. Like, I thought his performance was, was by far his best. And, you know, his basic look, basic, like, boxing and striking looked phenomenal. But he's so tall and lanky. It's going to be, in my mind, the way I see it going, he's going to be, it's going to be very hard to defend those takedowns against Shimaev. And if Shimaev comes out like a house on fire, like he usually does, and you know, take Strickland's back or something like that or just ground and pounds him, you know, it's going to, it's going to be somewhere Strickland hasn't been and, you know, successful or hasn't really even been in a long time. So, you know, if they put him straight in there against Strickland and he becomes a champion, you know, or he, he's a very good chance, a very good chance of becoming a champion and, yeah. you know, uh, if you put him in there against an Izzy as well, you know, with that wrestling, I think Izzy's a, a much easier matchup to be honest. Strickland is a is a weird type of you know guy who's hard to take down, hard to get the betting price is up though. Graham, uh, do you want to give uh, do you want to give a guess what you think the betting price Shemaya Strickland is? Um, around minus two hundred. Oh, minus three eighty for Shemaya. Ooh, plus three big. plus three hundred no. for Strickland. I think, yeah. yeah, I think uh, maybe, yeah, maybe I don't know, like. Strickland's a big guy as well, you know. Um, yeah, I, I definitely see him as a favorite, but that's a bit big. Yeah, um, I, I think it. I think it's just about right to be honest. I think Shemayev. The only thing is, like, if Strickland can survive that early round, that early two rounds, that pace in rounds three, four, and five is going to be real hard based on what we saw tonight from uh, from Shemayev. But as you say, it was look on short notice for him, but also. You know, sorry, short notice replacement of, of opponent, but also he has been out for over a year. So, you know, maybe he got the win back a little bit tonight and didn't go into that one. But anyway, we'll move on. What did you think of this Ankalaya Walker, Graham, this debacle? Um, if people didn't see the fight, there was uh, Johnny Walker was down the opponent, Ankalaya need him. Uh, they brought the referee in, or sorry, they brought unintentionally, apparently. Yeah, well, we. We, we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. I, I, what's intentional, what's unintentional? Who who knows, really? Toss of a kind, basically. Uh, but anyway, Johnny Walker got up. Johnny Walker's, like, obviously dazed by this shot, right? So he was given a... Because it was an illegal knee, 
He was given a few minutes to like recover or whatever, as you normally would be. And they started asking him these bizarre questions like, oh, what country you're in? And then he, Johnny, I think someone said, Johnny said, what round? What, what's, the, what's the capital of Pakistan? <laughs> but like, ask how many times have you heard an MMA fighter ask him what round it is? Like, it's even though the fight, okay, the fight was only three minutes in, it's not the most unusual question that we've ever heard in there. Plus, it's his second language after getting clipped with a knee. I don't know. I just thought it was odd. Just give him a little bit of a chance. Give him his five minutes if he needs a little bit more time. Don't panic. Don't stop it. If you need to stop it, okay, go in and stop it. But this seemed all rushed and all weird and just bad. What What did you think of it? Yeah, um, you know, if you're if you're in America or something, maybe that question is an easy question. But like, you know, somebody who's a fighter, you know, these guys are. Uh, I don't know about Johnny Walker is like, you know, kind of personality behind the scenes or whatever but he's he maybe doesn't seem to me like the kind of guy who would be you know uh, oh, i'm gonna fight here he might he could be one of these guys who doesn't know where he's fighting in next week or whatever he's fighting uh, somewhere you know yeah i don't know it just seemed like he should have when he didn't know the answer to the question he should have asked him another question maybe he asked, asked him what, what round or whatever maybe he got that wrong and even then i think i think you know this is fighting yeah like put, bit, put your fingers if you're up. Concussed, you're seeing you know, double or whatever, like you know. Yeah, yeah. Even if you are seeing double, like give him a few minutes to kind of uh, recuperate. You know, um, he obviously you could see while the doctor was talking to him that he wasn't that there was kind of some kind of confusion. So like this guy here, do we have a you know a Portuguese speaker <laughs> that can like ask him a question here? Or, like you know, you could see by Johnny Walker's reaction that he thought that the ref or that the the fight was still on that the fight hadn't been called off and he was ready to go so there was definitely a bit of confusion there and yeah it was Dan Mulvaney was the ref as well I think he actually tried his best he's like (laughs) did you say to me this like are you sure sure. like the 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 doctor and I Dan White as well afterwards Dan White came in and we'll we'll talk about what happened after in a second but Dan White came in and he I'm pretty sure now maybe I need to go back and watch this but I'm pretty sure he said he's an inexperienced doctor and he panicked or something like that he definitely said he's an in in my I think anyway he said he's an inexperienced doctor and that's exactly what I look like do you think maybe the the doctor had like rattled himself by and the the low blow incident um in a there was a fight. lot of incidents to be fair there was a lot of incidents but apparently like yeah. somebody's vomiting and had to go to the hospital to get like a ball scan or like yes. a, a testicular scan and maybe Victor he's Henry. like oh shit I've I fucking that's a good point and yeah. Yeah, and he's in Dana said and maybe he just balled it you know maybe yeah I don't know yeah it, like it was pretty clear that this was a knee that hurt Johnny Walker that. You, it was one of those ones, and I hate points being taken, but like it hurt him bad enough that there probably should have been at least one point taken. Give Johnny Walker five minutes to recover, take the point, and then we go again type of thing. Like, you say it to Johnny a couple of times, are you okay, Johnny? And maybe he'll say, okay, I need, you know, I'm okay, but I need a bit of time. And then, are you ready to fight? You need to ask him straight out, are you good to fight? If he says, no, okay, stop the fight. But there was none of them questions asked. And, and if, the if there's up. confusion and the guy isn't a native English speaker, yes. you know, you, you need to make sure that you, you know you're understand everybody's understanding what's going on it, it was it was pure panic it was pure bedlam it was a doctor uh, you know what you said uh, it's hard to disagree what you said panicking because there was a mistake made in the previous fight 
Look, it's a no contest. And look, maybe Angelaya would have gone and win that fight. Maybe Walker would have gone and won that fight. They were both robbed of an opportunity to do that, an opportunity to, you know, get their win bonus and have a great fight and maybe get a fight at night bonus or whatever like that. This this was just bad. I think, look, make the rematch and all, but, like, this was very unavoidable. It was one of these things where it's like, this, this guy just came into the middle of our sport and fucking ruined it. I know people are always giving out about, you know, well, rest judges, but like, who's this Is there guy no like? replay there? Like, can there, you, you'd think that you'd be checking it to see if it was intentional or not. Yeah, but they, I'm sure they did that, but it's, you know, we know it is. I had a chat with Mike Mazzulli about it at Bellator the last time. It's, you know, they, that's one of those grey area rules where they never give him as intentional unless you're fucking Dean Barry and it's that one week. So, and you're so really if you're losing a fight, you should just you know yeah. throw a kind of borderline one uh, that yeah. you you know you know will look kind of oh well maybe he mistimed it and then you can either get a no contest or you can rattle the guy and he comes back in and then you have a better chance of winning. That's just that's stupid. Let's be honest, Graham. We've we've seen them happen even early in fights. You know, against a guy, right? You're obviously given a tough matchup. You fucking take it. You're giving a way out and like there's lads there. Let's be honest, right? Okay, all these fighters are absolute fucking maniacs and they're the toughest of the tough. But not all of them. Like, <laughs> let's be honest, there. Not all of them. Are. Some lads will take the easy way out. Like Johnny Walker, definitely. Some guys will do absolutely anything to better their chances. Of winning yes. even if the even no matter what their mindset is yeah so like that you know with the with all of that you know with the illegal with the intentional with the unintentional it's uh, i don't know it's it's hard to just disqualify everyone as well but you know i don't look i don't think this like if, if you ones. if you make a mistake that concusses the other fighter so much that he doesn't know what country he's in and doesn't know what round he's in if that is the case for example like you know it's kind of unclear here but, yeah you know you're saying you should be disqualified for that well like I don't know like it seems like it should be you know you've caused this there should be some something you know it shouldn't be just like oh sorry lads like no contest for everybody good luck yeah I, I, I look it's a definitely a tough one it's not just an easy one but like the fact there always no contest start Dean Barry it's to me it's it's ridiculous like I didn't not necessarily this one I think this one is but I don't know but look, it was hopefully to make the fight hashtag, again. Hashtag justice for Dean Barry. Oh, just for Dean. <laughs> like, Dean Barry is retired and all now. Like it doesn't matter. But like, uh, that I'm was ridiculous. Like, and like that's not even fucking Irish bias or anything. Like I said at the time, it was fucking ridiculous. But we look, this always happens. We have, you know, like we have the the, the brigade of people who are like, oh, there should be no stand up ever, and you should take it. You get the first one in the back. You should take points for every. Like that brigade of fucking doofuses that are out there. Cause stuff like that. I, 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 I think there should be no stand-ups unless somebody is actively trying to not do anything. Well, that's fair. There's, there's no problem with that. But like, yeah, well, yeah, that's another debate for another day. But yeah, we sometimes like we just forget the overall picture of MMA and the fights in general. But anyway, look, I think Boca is very unlucky here. The, the did you, did you think Johnny awful. Walker was kind of playing a bit of possum and when he tried to throw that jumping knee? Or oh, you think definitely, that, that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because I, I was like, I don't think that was a big shot and the the, the way the kind of crowd and commentators reacted, I was like, oh, maybe it was. And then Johnny jumped back with the, with the knee. Yeah, I like... It was a good fight up somebody, in the If you're going to knock somebody out with it, it's a good thing. But if you're, the judges are unsure whether you were rocked or whether that leg kick was hard and you were just, I know, like everybody who knows Johnny Walker knows that when he does that leg 
thing when he, oh my leg and then he's only joking but yeah you know do does every judge know that <laughs> you that's, know, that's every, a good point yeah you yeah, know, you, if you, you're gonna finish guys you know you're going all out to get finishes you want to land that big flying knee like fair enough fair like you know that's amazing like we want to see entertaining knockouts we want to see these big moments but if you're in these you know top level fights against somebody like Ankalaev and if it was to go to a decision three rounds of close rounds and you know, maybe that could sway the judges to give close rounds against you with the uncertainty about, oh, maybe it did hurt, you know, maybe he was rocked before, you know, it's in a razor close round, that could be the difference. So, yeah, I think fair play to him for going for it, but at the same time, you can you can see how it could backfire. Yeah, you couldn't blame a judge for scoring that kind of against him, I suppose, yeah, but very interesting. It was a good fight, as I said, up until the time it, it ended, like, Johnny Walker was come out throwing shots, Ankle Live was throwing shots down the middle and all, it was heating up, but uh, unfortunately it ended the way it did. Um, what was Ankle Live pissed off about at the end? He was going uh, to, obviously Johnny Walker is going to be angry because of, you know, obviously oh, yeah. Ankalaev, uh, he doesn't get a win bonus, but it's his fault. So, yeah, uh, let's talk about that for a second. So like, Johnny Walker, after the fight, I hate to laugh, it wasn't really funny, but it was funny at the same time. Like Johnny Walker's walking out with his hands up after him overhead, he's like called the fight off right in front of his face. So like that just shows again it's like what Johnny Walker didn't know what's going on here like I wouldn't be surprised if Johnny Walker said he'd never watched the UFC fight in his life like he's he just comes across as one of those characters to me he just fights himself and he didn't care he didn't know what's going on other than that and then Ankalaev was like oh you want to fight grand let's fight and then they started kind of going at each other like four times and then I did come in and kind of calm him down but you, like you can't blame either though they didn't go overboard they didn't do anything too bad like you can't blame those lads for being a bit mad that you know they were robbed of the opportunity to have and they're in the fight, fight mindset you know yeah. Ankalaev doesn't think the ref's gonna or doesn't think the doctor's gonna stop it I'm, no. I'd say maybe he thinks oh you know but then he sees Johnny Walker kind of fine looking kind of grand you know steady on his feet and all that yeah. so he he's probably you know annoyed as well but yeah, yeah, rightly yeah. so they should both be annoyed like it wasn't Johnny Walker's fault definitely not yeah. Johnny Walker's fault but, but he, like, he could have been walking away with a DQ so he can kind of you know <laughs> he shouldn't be complaining too much yeah true um, but I think they did make the right decision in the end even though it was a completely wrong decision uh, no contest there shouldn't have been a DQ I don't think so uh, Ikram Aske Ali Ali Skarov, Ali Skarov, Ali Skarov. He's this guy we need to start talking about him at 185. The power this lad has. Oh, he's brilliant. I watched a good bit of him. I gave him as one of my bets for the week. Uh, I kind of I kind of bailed out to give him round one. I gave round one or two at minus 180. And you know what? I don't think he could be getting that price again against an opponent like Wally Alves, who is a good fighter. But uh, Ali Skarov, if you don't know the name, probably you should know the name. He's really, really good. We'll move on. Uh, so Just, uh, Wardy Alves looked very out of shape. <laughs> Did something go on in his camp or what's going on? He looked completely out of shape. He's up at 185 now. He used to be down at 170, so... Yeah, but sometimes yeah. you see them like chiseled or whatever, but it definitely wasn't the case. Like, take nothing away from the performance, looked but, big, yeah. you know, if you're if you're going to go in there and beat somebody like this guy, I, I think you're going to need to come in better shape than that. Yeah, the last fight, I went back and I watched his fight with Nicholas Dalby, um, and, like... <laughs> You don't fight the way you fought Nicholas Dalby and fight uh, Aliskerov the same way and live to tell the tale. Like, you just don't. And that's exactly what happened here. He got put out. Uh, as did Muin Gafurov, but this with a guillotine choke against Saeed Nurmagomedov, who also looks just a real killer at, at 135. Uh, again, another guy we're going to be talking a lot about over the next few years, like Mohamed Makayev at 125 against Tim Elliott. Graham, I just thought this was... 
It wasn't Makayev's best display, but it was probably his most impressive because he didn't panic. There was no bollocksing. There was no roaring and shouting. He just went out there and he fought the fight. He needed to fight against Tim Elliott. He got put down with a takedown straight away. He got taken then down again, I think, in the second round. He was calm. He was assured. He kept his head on a swivel. He kept his head when all around him was going mad. And he arm triangle choked Tim Elliott in the third round. I loved this display. This is the sort of thing you need to do when you're a maturing fighter. Ten fights into your career. After coming off of an injury. To get back in the win column. To bring yourself into the top ten. I, I honestly, people probably say, oh, Mikhaev, you know, he's been out and he's been more impressive before and he's put lads away very early and smashed lads and he, you know, he didn't smash Tim Elliott, he got him, I don't care, I think this was way more impressive and way better for his top-end ceiling, I think, very impressed, yeah. I was great, what you think? Like, like we said on the podcast, you know, this was a tough matchup, tougher matchup than people giving it credit for, you know, for a guy who, you know, he's undefeated, but he's still... He's been around a long time. We've been following him a long time, but he's still relatively, you know, inexperienced and at the very top level, you know. And obviously, Tim Elliott is slightly below the top level, but his fuck guys at the top level. And, you know, he's crafty and he's experienced, and he he make it difficult for you. And he did do that, you know. And uh, sometimes you you know you want to see these guys face adversity like that and come through it. And he didn't just come through it; he completely turned the fight around. He had a lovely, lovely switch. I don't don't know what, what was Daniel Cormier calling it a peak. peak? I don't know. Just don't get me Something started anyway, talking about making, Daniel Cormier. Yeah, he was ripping out the 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 wrestling um, jargon. <laughs> um, you know, it was, in fairness, that was really nice and a really nice a really nice finish. You know, and. Um, it's just a perfect kind of step, and hopefully, you know, um, you're gonna you're looking at you're gonna run out of people quickly. You know, if if he stays fit and active, you know, three three fights a year, let's say, the next couple of years, if they if they give him the right people, you know, it's gonna be very interesting to see what he can do. Obviously, you know, this fight, uh, Tim Elliott has shown some things that he's gonna need to work on, and but that's perfect. That's what you want. That's exactly. You know, his coaches will will be delighted with that. You know, you go in there, you, you get the win, you get the finish, and you have things to to work on in the gym to to round out your game. And this is why people need to be matched up appropriately. And you can't just jump in there. You know, it's obviously great jumping in there against uh, you know experienced guys because if you win, you're kind of steal their thunder and get in there. But sometimes, that, like even if you do other little holes that haven't been rounded out yet through experience and through fights and through minutes in the cage and through adversity and through ah oh, well like this kept working against me i need to work on this for the next you know month in the gym or whatever you need all that you need all that that's why sometimes we say oh maybe this guy could need a couple more fights two three four more fights before going to the ufc because we want to see the best version of them in the ufc we want to see the best chance and actually you know making a run yeah, indeed, and uh, as you said, I think it'll uh, it'll stand to him in time. Um, the prelims were not amazing; like the lads are going to go through them uh, on the the breakdown during the week. But we'll touch on a few things here. Uh, just to run through the results: Trevor Peak, uh, you know, got a good win over Muhammad Yaya. Not a great fight. Again, this is one of these fights you're looking at. One fifty-five. Paul Hughes would absolutely decimate the two of these. Um, the scumbag Cedric Dumas beat uh, another. Bit of a scumbag, Abu Abatiz, uh, uh, whatever his name is, terrible fight. Mike Brennan got a Breeden got a great comeback against Anshul Jubilee. He started barking in the cage in the third round when he was two rounds down against Jubilee. Very good win for him there. Uh, Victoria Dudakova, 
uh, got a win, with, even though she had staph infection on her arse and it blew up and bled all over her, all over the place afterwards, apparently, as she said in the post-fight uh, press conference, which is uh, lovely, I'm sure. And, uh, how, how was that missed? You know, how was the staph infection Oh, there's missed? like three different people confirmed they had staph infections uh, after this. Ma- absolute madness. Uh, well, that's and, why you take people out who have staph infections so other people don't get it. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Sharon Magomedov won the first uh, fight of the night as well. Um, the other two then to touch on uh, the Javid Bashrad Victor Henry one again uh, no contest after uh, an illegal kick look the kick on replay didn't look illegal if we're being honest but it was a really bad angle where like the top of the cage was kind of cutting it off um he, I think we see enough of these glancer ones that glance yeah. up and, and he, I, yeah, it like, could definitely glance. Time, say, yeah. You know, every time like, these guys are you know aren't reacting like that for no reason regularly. Like if it happened one time every few years, you'd be like, oh, maybe these guys are hammering it up or whatever. But when you when you see these glancer ones all the time, and there's always dispute about, oh, it was a perfect legal shot or whatever, all that stuff. These these cups are like really hard, and if you're like ball or any part of your private parts gets kind of jammed there or whatever that's going to be like dangerous and extremely painful so yeah i think uh, i don't know maybe you know i thought he was i thought there's enough evidence that you know uh these guys aren't faking that these glancing off the cup uh low low or um illegal low kicks are are definitely really painful yeah uh, to be honest at start i did think he was hamming it up and it's easy to say at home but like the replay, the, I think the last replay they showed, it, you still couldn't see it, but there could have been like the katunk kind of off the cup and then into the leg. Plus, he was taken to hospital afterwards. He's all like Victor Henry's he not the type vomiting backstage and yeah, that's not a great ball scan. You're really, you're really hammering yeah. it up. Like you're, you're really committed <laughs> to the fucking yeah. I'm like, like even like a mess <laughs> actor. Like. <laughs> even if you weren't, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm impressed by that anyway. By that, like they didn't hammer that one. Yeah, <laughs> fair, fair play. So I leave him off with that one. But uh, no, I look, I, I, ret- I retract. What I was uh, saying earlier, I do think he was kicked, but again, Basharat, unlucky, you know, borderline kick. Uh, and then Nathaniel Wood, yeah, this Muhammad isn't like, you know, this isn't like the the knee or kick to a grounded opponent. This no, is completely different. Completely different. Yeah. What do you think of Wood, Nayamov, Graham? This is look. This is kind of what we've been saying for the last two fights. Um, although this was such a great fight. It was it was like I do think size played a part here and strength played a part here. The few takedowns, the few shots. Ah, I, I I'll repeat again. I think 135 pounds is the place for Nathaniel Wood. I think this level of opponent at 135 pounds, I think he beats. But at the same time, it's such a great fight. Again, there could have been points taken here. I can't even remember what fucking happened here. There, there, there this was the one where there was like fin scrabs, fucking I don't know. Uh, glove grabs, ball the whole, shots. The whole night, like there was just like <laughs> fence grabs everywhere, and that was like, even Shimaev, like the first kind of top position he got, he like he did it, actually, like grabbing yeah. the cage, and then there was a couple of times where it was going to try to explode, and he grabbed the cage, and Urza was like, "Don't grab the cage," he grabbed it again. It was like, oh, "Okay." I let like that kind of night where we're just not calling fouls. Yeah, indeed. So, well, what did you think overall before we move on from this card of? Uh, uh, of Nathaniel Wood it was look it was a good performance it was a very good fight I think Naimov is a top level fighter as well he came in here yeah. as a big he's underdog. a really exciting fighter and this is his first loss at the weight like you know and it's a close fight and you know on another night it could have went another way and even on this night you know the second round was close and I think all rounds were close you know or the, the first two rounds that he lost and on the scorecards were close anyway and 
Um, you know, I think he definitely is a little bit undersized, but maybe cutting all that weight is such a detriment. Um, maybe he can't cut it the same way other people can cut it as easily and things like that. There might be something going on there, or, you know, um, things like that. So uh, it's hard to say he should go back down, but yeah, I think I think it's going to be hard from against the very very top guys at either division. And he's, you know, he's a guy who goes in there and, you know, tries to get a finish and it's exciting. And, you know, I can't remember the la- I, if, if there ever was a boring Nathaniel Wood fight. So, you know, um, not everybody can be the, like, you know, the, the top contender in the division or the, the world champion. And, you know, obviously he, he, he'd love to get there and he, probably in his mind he believes he can get there. But, you know, um, I don't maybe I, I'm not so sure the weight class is the problem you know if there was a middle weight class it probably would be perfect for him. a weight class in between it probably would be perfect for him but I don't see that happening anytime soon if at all so uh, yeah I'm not sure that the, the, the weight thing he must have moved up for a reason you know I'm not sure that that's going to solve everything I think you know that's a fight he could have won and maybe he'll go back and work on things there and you know be a better fighter for it I wouldn't be I wouldn't be rushing back down in weight Mm, I disagree. I, I I do think it's the weight class. I think uh, I think he uh, he always have issues there. But look, we I think there was an issue with cutting weight. Do you think like, if he cuts down, he's going to be able to you know beat the the top contenders? Yeah, maybe. I think he's a be- think way so? better chance at one thirty five than one forty five. Yeah, I, I think like think about him right against Arnold Allen. Like he's just he's never going to be able to beat a guy like that who's just so much stronger and is going to be able to take his shots and all that just it's just impossible like it's really it's really tough i think so and like i hate encouraging if he goes in there against a henry cejudo or like a peter yan or something i don't see you well, know either like you know yeah but you can always improve and you know you can oh yeah absolutely i'm just saying like yeah this probably like you know if he moved down he moved down kind of out of nowhere it wasn't like everything was going wrong and he needed to kind of there was something about him i i think he was Having a real hard time sweating and cutting weight. What was I always get two lads yeah. mixed up. I think it was him, wasn't it? Yeah. There must. Be, I'm not sure what it is. My memory is terrible for these kind of things. But me too. Yeah. There must have been something, you know. And if 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 you you know, I think he needs to improve to be a top contender. And like maybe I, he will. You know, he has the he has the potential. He has loads of potential. But I don't think you know if he's if if he had to move up before moving down is going to give you less time to improve. I'd, uh, you know, maybe in the future he he could hit a ceiling in this division, and moving moving back down would kind of give him a new lease of life, and he will have had time instead of worrying about this sweating problem, if it is a problem or the wake up problem or whatever. He'll have more time to improve, and maybe it, I wouldn't be rushing down and wait anyway. Maybe in the future, but I wouldn't be rushing down and wait. Yeah, that's fair. Um, all right, let's look ahead to next week. Um, the two big cards coming up. Uh, next week for the, the European side of it anyway I suppose uh, Cage Warriors have a card in Rome and a big Invicta as well just a quick look at Cage Warriors I actually have a preview coming out of this with uh, Brad and Sherdog this week so take a, a full look at that um, some interesting fights on it I think the main event is Simeone uh, Patrizzi against Dimitri Gerlain at 155 but two very good prospects in Italy uh, SBG Fighter Graham on this, Tenio Pagliariccio fighting uh, Harry Powell's best friend, Sam Creasy. Um, 
that's a very good fight maybe the, the standout fight uh, on the card I really love the, the women's 115 pound fight as well uh, Michal Signy, she's fighting Samantha Jean-Francois um, Signy was on Gen White Contender Series a couple of years ago and this Jean-Francois she's only 8-6 but she is a really 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 good striker who has like I think I think 7 of her 8 wins are by submission or something like that but Signy, I think will strike with her so that should be a fun one uh, Leon Ali was on this card as well he uh, people probably remember him he picked up a win over um, over James Webb not too long ago he's fighting Alan Carlos uh, <laughs> who retired I believe hashtag in my retirement in his last fight in his back um, <laughs> We have uh, Simon Diana, who people from Ireland probably remember. He fought Brian Moore. He's fighting Albert Diaz, who beat Richie Smolin. Uh, people probably remember that too. That Diaz is a right good fighter. He just doesn't fight that often. And then Luke Ovin, who also fight, fought Brian Moore. He's fighting Andrei Taishinko, who's a very good up-and-coming prospect, 6-0. I think he's training in Italy now, but he fights out of Ukraine. So, yeah, some good stuff on that there as well. And uh, Matteo Martignoni makes his KSW debut. He's the brother of the ex-champ uh, by the same name. So, there you go. Invicta Graham, uh, big, big night for Irish MMA again in the headlining spot. Uh, Ireland's own Danny McCormack takes on uh, Karolina Wojcik in a rematch of their amateur fight from way, way back in... Uh, let me just check when this was now. 2017. Do you know how far back this was, Graham? In the corner of Danny McCormack that night was... Do you want to guess? Do you want to hazard a guess? Who would be in the corner of Danny McCormack that night? Oof, Jesus. Who's in um, SVG around 2017, cornering people? X, I'll give you a clue. Ex-USC fighter. Tom Egan. No. Paddy uh, Hoolahan. Oh, I was going to say that, but then uh, it was too obvious. Yeah. I thought you were going to catch me out here. No. Ah. So that's a mad one, isn't it? Paddy Hoolahan, corner Danny McCormick, and now he's the, the head coach of her, her notorious, uh, what would you put it, uh, arch enemy, Sean Evans, but not really at the same time. They were cheering him on the last time. Uh, but Which was funny because uh, Carolina Wojciech was also fighting on that card where both Shauna and Danny fought. So it's a weird meeting of worlds. But that first fight, Carolina won it, but it was a really good fight. It's on YouTube. People watching. I went back and I watched it this week. Do you know what? I might do it in the rewatch if I get time to watch it again. But... Um, you know, Danny was coming forward, landing a lot of shots. Carolina was kind of picking her off from the back foot. But, like, Danny was... I, I interviewed Danny, actually. He'll be coming out this week as well over in Shardog. And she was kind of saying, like, look, she didn't want that pressure. She didn't like that pressure. It was only... I think it was only a nine-minute fight. This is a 25-minute fight. It's a lot different. No, I, I, think, I think it'd be a mistake to, you know, to rely on six and a half years ago amateur fight. How, you know, what to expect from somebody, you know, these boat girls, Danny is a completely, you know, different fighter than she was back then, you know, at amateur six and a half years ago. And obviously you can say the same about Carolina. So, you know, uh, I think this is going to be a completely different situation. You know, oh, without is, a shadow of a doubt. Like it was only yeah. Danny's second amateur fighter. Now she's an Invicta champion, you know, of course it's going to be different. Like, Danny does fight a similar way, though. <laughs> you know, she comes forward and she lands her shots. Obviously way better now. Whereas Carolina fights a different way. She's more, like, push you against the cage, controlled, less aggressive, I think, than she was then. Um, I think it's a very interesting fight. Look, but for Danny, like, she is, she seems to have a real chip on her shoulder now. You know, she won her fight 
in, in Invicta at 115, right? I think it was actually, was it Jin Hu Frey tonight actually fighting, who was a 105-pound champion, and she got signed to the UFC to, the fight, to fight at 115 pounds, and then Shauna Bannon, who wasn't the champion at 115 pounds, also got signed to the fight in the UFC, and then Danny's left behind, you know? That does seem a little bit unfair, to be honest, and, like, um, she has a real chip on her shoulder if she comes in here, she wins this, she's talking about getting the finish, she could be on the UFC. It's a huge fight for Danny as well, Graham, isn't it? Because, like, she's no spring chicken ever either. Like, she's 33 years of age. Now is the time to get going. This is a, just a huge fight for her headline in Boston as well. I'm sure there'll be a massive Irish-American crowd behind her. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, obviously, there's a lot of kind of factors going on here. They both fought recently against Machado and, you know, MMA math and all that. <laughs> it doesn't really add up, but, you know... Uh, the, the Carolina's latest loss a couple of fights ago was to the opponent that Danny just beat so that would give Danny confidence as well and um, the fact that uh, you know um, she beat Danny before but will give her confidence as well so there's, there's, there's a few things going on here and it's a big pressure you know title fight all that stuff is a little bit different than, than just a regular fight and things like that so uh, I think it's a, like it's a difficult one to call it I hope Danny doesn't go out there looking for a finish. I hope she goes out there and does exactly what she, you know, her, what we all know her, her best kind of method of victory is and get on top and make it difficult and, you know, be relentless and land your shots when you can, but, you know, don't, don't leave too much space and let, let her up unnecessarily because you're trying to land a big shot, you know, just, this could be like, I'm sure she is. And obviously she's, She's she's saying I haven't I haven't I haven't listened to this interview yet that you did with her, but uh, I assume she's going to go in and do what she always does, you know. And if she does that, she's a very difficult matchup for for a lot of girls, and I expect her to be, you know, uh, maybe have to avoid some early exchanges and get a hold of her and get her down. And if she can do that, I think you know we've seen throughout the years that she, she's very strong there, and you know she can she can do damage there as well. So I think you know, just stick to that game plan and you know, being there for the long haul and and it's a, it's a, it's a definitely a winnable fight, but it's also a losable fight if if you know if uh, if the game plan goes off the rails a bit and um, and you can't get the takedown and you know things like that. So yeah, I think I think Danny's going to have to implement her game plan very well to win this, but I, I think she can and I think she probably will. Yeah, she kind of said what you said there straight out to me. Like, cause like Danny recently has been fighting a very kind of pressure game more than like necessarily a takedown game where she has been fighting a lot on the feet. But, you know, she said, I'm going to go for takedowns in this fight. She said it straight out. And I, do you know what I like hearing that? Sometimes people like don't want to be what they are. Like what made Danny the champion that she is is that forward, that pressure, is that ability to take fucking more damage than your opponent takes and put them under more pressure than they can ever put you under and have better, better cardio and be more well-prepared than them. And it seems like that's exactly what she wants to do here. Plus, that chip in the shoulder is good for a fighter like that, you know? Some fighters, if you need to be calm and assured and fighting the outside, you know, chipping the shoulder is not the best thing. But for someone like Danny, I think it is, it's an advantage. I'm I'm really looking forward to this fight. Um, you know, And you got to think, if, if this UFC show that's been talked about, Dublin, you know, yeah. yeah, if this is happening next year, she, if she goes in there and wins, would you be surprised if she got signed? No, not at all. They'll definitely be looking for people. And like, you know, if you're an Invicta champion, 
who has just defended your belt as well. Of course they want, you know, they should want that anyway. Who knows if they if they will or not. You know, Danny was giving out to me in the interview as well. And she was like, they're only signing, you know, she actually, it's funny, spoiler here, but go and watch the interview. She said she rang up Paul Hughes and she was like, why the fuck are we not getting signed? Like, what's going on here? And she was like, they're only signing good looking girls and all this. And I was like, Jez Paul Hughes is a good looking man. <laughs> so yeah, it's, uh, she, uh, uh, the interview. Yeah, well, what is Danny trying to say about Paul there? Yeah. It's a massive fight though And like you know she wins that She's probably our, our uh, female fighter of the year as well After winning it as an amateur way back I think it was 2017 no, Yeah maybe 2017, 2018 So that would be absolutely uh, fantastic and, and massive as well So right, um, still, there's, still a few, there's still a couple of months left There, there be, is. You never know Yeah you never know You never know you gotta, like, you gotta keep on track to, to get oh, one of them prestigious oh, awards What if... Uh, what if Leah let's say Danny wins right and she's you know she's probably ahead of everyone there what if Leah gets Cyborg on like uh, New Year's Eve do you reckon uh, Danny will be like don't win don't win or would she be cheering her on like I don't know you never know you never know but we'll be there but yeah that'd be uh, that'd be fucking mad there'd be some toss of a kind in if that happened we, we, but, we all know they're always you know it's always going through their mind yeah, award, yeah. <laughs> it is yeah that's all any Irish MMA <laughs> fighter ever thinks so. but no to be fair now the I've had many fighters say it to me and like the we, we try to make those awards as prestigious as, as we possibly can and we've put a lot of effort into them over the last few years and uh, this year I'll tell you what more than ever because we've been keeping like a running list and that's not an easy thing to do and we're 10 months into it now so we'd have not long to go but um yeah look this this will definitely play a part in that there's no shadow of a doubt about it and a massive fight uh, for Danny McCormick again like it's not often we see Irish fighters. I, I was like, I was talking to Paddy Hoolan last week, and you know, sometimes we take for granted all oh, the Irish fighters in UFC or Irish fighters in big fights or winning titles and stuff. It hasn't happened that well, many. Well, I don't times. think we do. I think yeah, I think we talked about it even last week or the week before. I think uh, a lot of people do, but I don't think you know the people who've kind of been around for a while take it for granted. And you know, it wasn't that long ago that uh you know there was no irish people in the ufc for a lot of years and there wasn't really you know much talk or much uh people talking about oh we need to get this guy into ufc or anything like that or there wasn't you know for a long time there wasn't even cage warriors champions and things like that maybe it was sporadically no there wasn't there wasn't i think was chris fields the first or call penred one of them oh chris fields is definitely before call anyway yeah chris fields yeah or maybe dave hill was before chris fields was it the dave hill was dave hill irish no, the Conor, Ma- Conor McGregor, oh, Conor McGregor. Wait, sorry. Oh, yeah. um, sorry. I'm not sure. Anyway, but like, you know, that was when even then, you know, being a Cage Warriors champion didn't mean, oh, you're you're getting signed for the UFC or the pressure's going to, you know, online is going to build or people are going to be what, like, you know, uh, it's just completely different landscape. And people who joined later are probably, you know, they just think it's it's normal. But <laughs> really it isn't. And if you think about the, the population of Ireland, like how many people are on the census, what, four or five million how many of them are male? How many of them are female? How many of them are actually, you know, Irish, uh, identifying as Irish? And, uh, you know, what we've achieved is, and what we are achieving is phenomenal, really. Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt, and uh, long may it continue. So, um, all right, I guess we'll uh, we'll leave it there, Graham. Another fun, exciting week for uh, Irish in May. Do you know what? We might do, um, we might do a special uh edition of the podcast over on patreon or somewhere next week because next week next sunday for all people 
the return of the State of the UFC address with a special guest, special guest next week on the Severe Man podcast with me. Uh, that will be out early access on Saturday for patrons and will be out for free for everyone on Sunday for your normal folks out there. Please follow at Severe MMA, at Sean Sheehan BA, at Severe MMA Pod on Twitter. Please follow at SevereMMA.com over on Instagram. Uh, the boys, Andy, Ian, uh, do a great job over there with that. It's really been going well recently, so please follow along with that over there. SevereMMA.com, SevereMMA on YouTube. If, yeah, sorry, before you go on there, on YouTube, if, 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 you, you know, if you're watching our videos, if you give them a like, the, like the YouTube algorithm, if you comment, it all helps the YouTube algorithm get them spread around more. And, you know, there's a lot of work goes in, as you mentioned, like Andy and Ian and Harry and uh, Quilcha, they're all, all these guys, I'm probably forget. I, 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 I usually try to avoid naming people because I always just forget people. But uh, everybody's like putting a lot of work into a lot of this content that goes up on YouTube and on the website. And if you can just click like or click, click subscribe or comment and things like that, share it on social media, it really helps with the algorithms to get it out to more people and to, you know, get this content to the kind of eyes we think it deserves. Yeah, indeed. And if you like all of this and you want to help us keep the lights on, patreon.com forward slash severe my podcast, five euro a month plus tax, uh, and you get about four additional audio podcasts every week, plus lovely stuff from me and Graham and Ian and Harry and everyone out there as well. All right, Graham. That, that plus tax thing is like, oh, I hate that when you're in America and you're, you're trying to, you're buying a few things and you think, yeah, oh, that's about $10 or whatever. And then it's actually like, 11 20 or something are you are you like me that like just tell me the price like just put the price there because i want to know the price so i can calculate it in my head so i know what i'm spending like this is so annoying shipping as well i hate shipping like you go and you buy a hundred euro worth of stuff and there's like four euro ship i'm like ah no fuck that (laughs) i'm not paying that four euro fucking keep it bastards yeah especially when you have to like fill in a load of things to get to that point and then it's like shipping is like 12 euro yeah and like if you if you spend over 50 euro everything should be free shipping like it's uh, it's ridiculous shower of bastards anyway graham give us an inspirational quote to see us out well he robbed his way from utah to oklahoma and the law just could not seem to track him down it served his legend well for the folks they love to tell about when billy the kid came to town beautiful we'll see you all next week good luck bye now